Does Zion Williamson need to add more moves to his bag? Is CJ McCollum struggling offensively today on Lockdown Pelicans? We're playing real or fake? Or maybe in today's episode of Lockdown Pelicans, let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Thursday, and I'm stealing something. I'm stealing something from Locked On NBA on Wednesdays. On Every Wednesday, our signature segment is Real or Fake with me and John Corrales. Third segment, we bring up a topic. Is it real? Is it fake? We get into it, usually around the biggest stories. But we're going to do that with the Pelicans here. We're going to play real or fake, or we don't necessarily know the answer to just yet. Maybe question marks, whatever you want to call it. And all of these come from y'all. These were topics you brought up when I asked for your biggest Pelicans overreaction. So we're going to talk about Zion offensively, CJ offensively, spacing for New Orleans being a big problem for them in the postseason, the Lakers, including Russell Westbrook, a trade target that is certainly not going to be Russell Westbrook, defensive rebounding, and yes, the refs. So thank you all for the ideas. This will be a fun show. I need like a board to be able to run this better, but it is okay. And let's dive into it. If you're listening on YouTube, I will very clearly say whether it's real, fake, or maybe since you can't see the fancy graphics, totally fancy graphics. Look at the production quality here on Locked On Pelicans. Okay, so let's start with Zion Williamson. Number one thing that came through was Zion Williamson needs to add more to his bag. He needs a mid-range shot. He needs to take more threes. He needs to not keep going left and just trying to get layups. In some universe, I understand this. It's predictable what he's going to do. He's going to try and go to his left because he's left-handed. It's his dominant hand. He's going to try and score on a layup or a dunk or somewhere close to the rim like that. Here's the thing. Defenders know it. I know it. You know it. Defenders are actively trying to beat him to that spot and try and kind of take it away. So yeah, diversify your game, right? Because it's effective. Defenders know what to do. They know how to defend you, except it's not. Zion right now is averaging 22 points per game. We've seen him in that Utah Jazz game before injury score 25 points on 16 shots. He is scoring not in the efficient way that we have normally seen him, but 22 per game, particularly getting things going against the Utah Jazz, is great. He's just not getting to the line a lot. His sophomore year when he was an all-star, he averaged over eight trips to the foul line per game. Right now, it's 4.7, and he's getting hacked. Referees, and we'll get to the refs in a bit, just don't really know what to do with him. But when you look at his field goal percentage at the rim, the things he's doing, he should keep doing this. Let's break down the math. This season alone, he's shooting 63.2% at the rim. That comes to 1.26 points per play. It's simply 0.632 times two. Two pointers, and he's shooting 63.2% on him. 1.26 points per game. If he shot 40% from three, it's just 1.2 points per play. If he was taking a mid-range attempt, 
it's going to be 0.1, or it's going to be one point per play. The best he's ever shot in mid-range was his sophomore year, too, 10 to 16 feet, 50%, because he really wasn't taking many of them. Even if he makes that at a 50% rate, that is a less efficient shot for him than what he is doing scoring at the year. And if you put his all-star year into there, it's the equivalent of a 40, uh, 42% shooter. Sorry, 46% shooter from three. This year, it's 42%. It's just simply not smart for him to do that. And I get people when they say, oh, well, it'll protect him against injuries, getting banged up and all that. Like, yeah, but you don't want him to be a worse version of himself. If he's trying to stay healthy and avoiding contact and not get into the rim, you just want a different player then. You don't want what Zion is great at. You don't want what Zion doing, what makes him Zion, frankly. A lot of y'all are young, so let's take a quick history lesson here. Look up the player Antoine Walker. This was a tremendous big man for the Boston Celtics, multiple-time All-Star, eventually won an NBA title in 06 with Miami Heat when he was kind of a shell of himself. 6'8", so around Zion size, big dude too, but at times a dominant force on the interior. And then he fell in love with the three-point shot. And by age 32, he was out of the league because he didn't want to get down low and try and score because he had bad and inefficient shot selection. He was not a good three-point shooter for his career. 32.5% from three, that's bad. On almost five attempts per game, he retired in 08, so before the big three-point shooting boom we've seen. And so while at times he was a big man ahead of his time, he still wasn't good at it. And that's why the league didn't really have a place for him anymore. I don't want to see that happen to Zion. If what makes Zion great is getting to the rim, then keep getting to the rim. I've seen some clips and pictures of people saying he could shoot a mid-range at this point. There's one with him matched up on Kelly Olenek. He'd have been blocked by Kelly Olenek there. He's simply still effective. Is he as effective as he was his sophomore year? No. Will that come back when he gets his touch back after not playing basketball in a regular season for over 530 days? Yes. So when Zion needs to add more, no, he doesn't. He can keep doing exactly what he's doing and be fine. It took Giannis years before he added any of that. If he does add that, that's great. But I don't want him falling in love with the three or the mid-range. Keep doing what makes you a special player, and that's getting to the basket in a way that, even right now, they're not really capable of stopping him. So Zion Williamson needs to add more to his offense bag? Absolutely fake. In my opinion, I don't think that is a thing that he needs to do at all. So let's move on. The Pelicans will have poor spacing and will be the reason why they get eliminated in the postseason. I like this question because when you look at the numbers, the three-point shooting is a little wonky. They're only taking 25 and a half three-point attempts per game. That is dead last in the league. They're only making... 10 three-pointers per game. That's 24th worst in the league, so bottom five. Is this something that's a problem? I'm not ready to say that it is. I'm not ready to say that it's not. This one comes down to being a big maybe here. So a couple of things with this, right? They're a good three-point shooting team right now, particularly because of Trey Murphy. They're shooting 39.2%. That's seventh best in the league. Their three-point shooting numbers were going to be down this year with Zion back, given that he only shoots at the rim pretty much. And when he's taking up shot attempts, well, means your numbers are going to go 
down. So I don't know if this team's going to ever really truly be a high volume three point shooting team, particularly with Brandon Ingram, who loves the mid range out there too. So does CJ. Though CJ, you'd like to see the three point shot, and he's going to lead off our next segment in real or fake here. So you look at it and it's like, yeah, they need to be shooting way more. I'd like one or two more for Trey Murphy and getting him more involved, but that's starting to happen. So as long as they do that, this changes to false. Right now, it kind of depends on how they're going to be using Trey Murphy going forward. But the good news is he's right now averaging fourth most minutes per game at 30. That's about right for him. 4.8 three-point attempts per game, shooting that at a blistering 68.4%. Let's increase those three-point shooting numbers closer to 10 Let's get to seven first, maybe before we have him take five more extra on top of what he's doing per game. But dude can shoot, get him more shots. That's kind of the big thing. With Zion being as efficient of a score at the rim, you don't need a ton more three-point shooting. You just need one or two dudes that really keep the defense honest, and they have that in Trey. So as long as they do the right kind of strategy with him and how to use him, I think this team's going to be just fine when it comes to that. So coming up next, is CJ McCollum struggling, and do they need to maybe bench him? And... Do the Pelicans actually have a chance at Victor Wembinyama through the Lakers? That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You want to take LeBron James to have more than seven and a half rebounds, Kevin Durant to score more than 26 and a half points, Steph Curry to make more than three and a half threes. You can bet all of those over with the daily fantasy made easy prize picks. It's super simple. You pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. And you're not competing against other people. You don't need to worry about people who do this for a living. It's just you versus the projections available. You see it, and you pick more than that or less than that. And they offer projections on any sport you watch, including the NBA, but literally anything. The list here is like 20 different things. I don't need to read it all off. And what's also great is entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix is going to give you $100. You deposit $50, they're going to give you $50, but you've got to use promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. And thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down the biggest stories around this team, whether it's the bench and the big win over the Dallas Mavericks, Zion still being good, or even playing some games here, like we're playing real or fake on today's show. Now for your second listen, check out Lockdown Sports today. This is just a recap of the biggest stories around all sports, not just the NBA, what happened in the NFL, in baseball's postseason. They're going to break it down with our Locked On experts with the biggest stories that you need to know. So go beyond the scoreboard, behind the scenes, with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And let me know in the comments down below, do you agree, real or fake, on any of the first two things that we have brought up? Zion needing to add to his bag, the poor spacing. Let's get into another one. CJ McCollum. He, his numbers have not looked great. And I've seen some people say the offense is really struggling with CJ kind of being the focal point out there. So, is this real, fake, or a maybe? And I get why people bring it up. You look at his scoring right now, and it's not efficient. 21 points per game, but he's taking 19 and a half shots to do it. He was 6 of 20. 
in the win over the Dallas Mavericks the other night. Right now from three, he's shooting just 28.6%. He's not getting to the line much, 2.3 times, and he's turning over the ball, 2.3, even though that's not a huge number there. So is CJ McCollum struggling with this offense, and was it a bad move to give him the extension? I'm going to say it's false. I'm going to say it's false. We'll leave, we'll leave the graphic up here for a second. Here's some numbers. The Pelicans, when CJ McCollum is on the court, are winning their minutes. Individual plus minus on a per-game basis is not the most useful stat without the right context around it. But in a larger sample size, it can kind of tell you something. And it's telling you something right now with CJ McCollum. The Pelicans are plus 38.2 when he is on the court. They're winning those minutes when CJ is on the court. Now, that is two games when he's done that with a group of bench guys and not Zion and not Brandon Ingram. That 38.2 when he's on the court, 10th best in the league, in the NBA right now. That's higher than Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. When you win your minutes like that, it's being effective. You look at the numbers he's putting up, the shooting's not quite there, but the assists are. He's averaging almost eight point or eight assists per game right now. He's getting guys organized, and you can see him really developing a lot of chemistry with his bigs, particularly Larry Nance Jr. in some pick-and-roll situations where Larry Nance can then roll to the basket and CJ's hitting him with pocket passes. Or the threat of that is opening things up for other guys, allowing CJ to get the ball out on the perimeter, and the Pelicans just move from one offensive action to another offensive action. So they go from that high pick-and-roll with CJ and Larry to a side pick-and-roll all of a sudden. And you see opponent defenses scrambling a lot they're rotating a lot they're getting out of place and it eventually finds with new orleans getting the right shot attempt so the offense is doing incredibly well with him out there on the court just from the gravity that he has and the way he can orchestrate this offense and he's been fine defensively actually i don't think i've really seen a huge problem with him on that side of the ball there have been a moment maybe here or there but overall he has played very effectively and they're much better with him on the court, even defensively, than they are with him off the court. Plus 38, what was it? 30, 38.2. 10th best in the league. It tells you a lot about his impact that he has. That's an important thing. Locker room guy, bringing the team together, going out there. And then he showed up in the fourth quarter the other night. Wasn't amazing until then. But he definitely did the right thing, and he can come up with some very key buckets as the Pelicans have tried to get some wins. In the fourth quarter of the win over the Dallas Mavericks, he was 3 of 5, including making a 3 with 3 assists and just 1 turnover. 7 points, 3 assists, 1 turnover in over 10 minutes of action in the fourth. That's huge. They went on a 20-3 run against the Utah Jazz to send that game to overtime with him out there. He is an efficient, effective basketball player, 10th best in the league in terms of differential um, with him out there on the court. Sorry, that's plus 100 possessions. That's not, that's not raw plus minus. You're taking the offensive rating, the defensive rating. So he's done that with bench guys too. They found right lineups to really let him cook and do his thing. And so I am very excited for him to still build that chemistry with Brandon Ingram and more importantly, Zion. But right now, is CJ McCollum struggling offensively? Individually in some sense, but the team's clicking when he's out there, so it's absolutely false that he is. Now, here is 
We got two fun ones here. Let's do, let me, let me jump to the quick fun one here. This is real or fake. The Lakers will get the top pick and the Pelicans will exercise their pick swap to get Victor Wembenyama. I don't know if we've thrown a true up here yet, but absolutely true. We got to will this into the world, folks, don't we? The Lakers are really struggling. Russell Westbrook's out for this game. You know, look, the way things are going, I don't see really an easy out for that Lakers team. I don't even think adding Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for Russell Westbrook would do much to change their fortunes. You know, you're going to need a little bit of lottery luck on the Pelicans side when it comes to the Lakers. But right now, if you go spin tankathon.com, Pelicans end up with a lottery pick every single time and like no worse than the six overall pick to get another pick like that because they can exercise the pick swap because the Lakers are struggling uh, big time. Check mark right there. Let's switch this over, though, with Russell Westbrook because I tweeted it out. The Pelicans per bet online, fifth best odds to trade for Russell Westbrook. So should they do it? What do you all think the answer to this one is going to be? That's right. The big red X here. Not a damn chance. They'd have to trade CJ McCollum, too. So I don't really know where those odds are coming from. It doesn't really make much sense just to try and make that work with salary. So, no, do not trade for Russell Westbrook. I wouldn't bet on that whatsoever. So, coming up, a couple more things for you. Let's look to the trade deadline. What do they need the most? And could defensive rebounding be an issue for New Orleans? Because the numbers aren't pretty right now. Plus, do the referees suck? That's all coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all like no one else is completely free, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. We're having a lot of fun. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show. Get them clued into how fun this Pelicans team is. And of course, comment down below on YouTube. So do you agree on the real or fake, true or false, the maybes with all the ones that we've thrown out there? Let me know down below in the YouTube comments. And of course, now for your second listen, Locked On Sports Today, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So let's dive right back in. All of these came from y'all. When I asked for your biggest Pelicans overreaction, we turned it into a show. So thank you. And thank you for interacting with me on Twitter. So let's look ahead to the trade deadline. What is the biggest need for the Pelicans? This one here. The Pelicans need a true rim protector. And Nerland's Noel would be an ideal trade target. I think this is a big yes. I think this is a big yes. I love Jonas Valanciunas. I think he is an underrated player and doesn't get a lot of the credit that he deserves. I truly mean that. I also like that they have Larry Nance Jr. as a big change of pace guy. When they need to switch more against mobile bigs, they bench Jonas and you put in Larry Nance. And it works perfectly. You've seen it against the Utah Jazz. You saw it against the Dallas Mavericks. And Jonas, by the way, is a very impactful player in winning his minutes when he's out there on the court. But he isn't a true rim protector. He is a rim deterrent. But he's not a true rim protector. I'd love a shot-blocking big off the bench, and I think Nerlens Noel is the ideal trade target for New Orleans. He's not healthy right now, which probably makes him a perfect trade target for New Orleans. He's on the Detroit Pistons. I don't know what role he's going to play on a young, rebuilding, not particularly good team. Could he be had? Could he be gotten? Do you ship out Jackson Hayes if that's the case? A big that can come in, play on the perimeter, and in drop coverage, and block some shots, and keep teams away from the basket. 
The Dallas Mavericks struggled shooting the three ball, particularly Luka, who was two of 13. But he still scored 37 points by getting to the basket at times and taking advantage of the Pelicans' big men who are not particularly equipped to deal with a guy like that. Give me a shot blocker then. Dude, that if you get near the rim is going to be a big problem for you and stop that from happening and force some more mid-rangers. I don't know if they end up moving for him. You also have to factor in that they really do like Billy Hernan Gomez. Hernan Gomez is not great defensively, but is an amazing locker room dude. A great guy who's really cheap, and if you throw out there, he'll be able to get you 10, 11, 12 points and around 8 to 10 rebounds. That's a useful spot starter to have. But he wants to play. He's probably at some point going to be like, come on, you guys play me a little bit more and, you know, want his minutes. And he's not getting them. If you go and trade for a big, it pushes him even further down. There's an implication and an impact from that. And I don't know if that's something that the Pelicans want to go with. But certainly I do think Nerland's Noel would be an ideal trade target for the Pelicans to really look at because I do think they could use a guy like that. Another question that came up. And this one comes from the stats with the team this year that someone said, particularly when you saw what the Utah Jazz were able to do and even the Dallas Mavericks were able to do on the offensive glass. We know offensive rebounding is going to be good for New Orleans, but defensive rebounding is going to be the thing that really holds them back from being a solid contender or a solid playoff team. Right now, they're 19th in defensive rebounds per game. And when you look at their defensive rebound percentage, because raw defensive rebounds, how many they're getting per game, doesn't take into account pace, which is what you need to make sure you're factoring in when looking at this. If teams are playing fast, taking tons of shots, there's going to be more opportunities for defensive rebounds. If teams are playing slow, they're taking fewer shots in a game, you're going to have a chance for fewer defensive rebounds. So you look at rebounding percentage, which is simply... Uh, the percentage of available defensive rebounds a team grabbed that's out there. And right now, the Pelicans are 19th in the league at 74%. So they're allowing opponents to get 26% of all misses as offensive rebounds. It's not a bad number. It's certainly not good. But I don't truly think this is going to be a big problem. I think as Jonas in these past two games hasn't been as playable down the stretch, they're going to be hurting in this area. He's a rebounding monster. So to me, this is a, is a maybe. I think it might just depend on the game. They struggled with defensive rebounding these past two, but frankly, they had a chance to win both. They could easily be 2-0 and in there. So is it truly that big of a deal? Larry Nance Jr., not as good of a rebounder as JV is. Zion certainly is not an elite defensive rebounder. He's an elite offensive rebounder. You know, there might be a game where the bigs, just opponent bigs, eat him alive on the offensive glass, and it hurts. But I do think with Valchunas out there and even Trey Murphy out there, they can be a good enough defensive rebounding team. Hasn't really been a problem yet. Through four games, these numbers could even out and this number could skyrocket based on one performance. So some of the stats that we're looking at right now, a lot of noise, small sample size that you don't want to read too much into some of them. So I'm not sure yet that defensive rebounding is going to be an issue for New Orleans. I think they're still going to be really good in that area, but there's a bit of an open question with it. And then we're going to end on this one. And I think you're all going to agree with me. I don't think there's going to be any debate about this final one. When I ask for biggest Pelicans overreactions, playing real or fake, true or false, however you want to phrase it today, yes or no, I guess is a way we could do it. The NBA, the NBA's refs, the NBA's refs suck. What, what do y'all think this one's going to be here? That I, I can make this uh, bigger. This is how big it should be if you're watching on YouTube for... 
the NBA has a referee problem. We have a, we had a promo like a year ago for Locked On that we ran, and you can hear me in there being like, the NBA has a referee problem or a referee issue. I forget what it was on like a promo we did to attract new sponsors. And it's like, okay, I guess I sound a little hot takey there, but after watching the first four games and how infrequently at times New Orleans is getting to the line or Zion is getting to the line seems to be a bit of a problem. They rank highly in all the categories, so it's probably not actually an issue, but no, screw the refs. They need to call games better. They're not doing a good enough job. Get Zion to the line like eight, nine times per game where he should be and don't let him get hurt. Protect the player. So yes, the NBA's referees do suck. So let me know in the comments down below, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? What's real? What's fake? I'll take some time responding to everyone. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Final show tomorrow. We'll get you set for the weekend.